0: How's it going everybody? Welcome to the third line plug, SensCast. I am your host Taylor Gibson. Joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta. My co-host, Tim Jassy. Tim, how's it going sir?
1: Ah, It's going good, going good. Uh, Very busy, but we're good.
0: Yep, just a lot of work stuff.
1: Not even, it's just been, uh, I've just kind of been out of the house every night. Uh, We went to see Weird Al on Wednesday. Wednesday, it's planet marriage playing stuff on Thursday. Card games yesterday. Uh, probably going hang out with people tomorrow night.
0: I no, I did see your tweet. I actually didn't even know that you went to see Weird Al. It, I just like I read your tweet and I'm mis- just I just went, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. But I gotta ask now, where abouts did you see him? Because was that the Saddle Dome or was it? No,
1: at- it was at the Arts Commons. Okay, how was that? It was good. So it was a definitely a more laid back show. So uh, Emo Phillips opened. Who's that? He's a comedian, and oh. he's been going since like I like the mid seventies.
0: Oh. Okay. And
1: basically, his whole his whole shtick, as described on his website, is the idiot savant. Right. So he kind of like wanders around the stage, uses this high confused voice to deliver just a lot of jokes. And it was pretty much the perfect opening for Weird Al.
0: Okay. Yeah. I just looked this dude up. He looks like he looks
1: like one of the guys from the Three Stooges. He really does. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah that awesome. might be the best comparison I can think of. <laughs> yeah, well just
0: yeah, just looking at him. Like oh yeah, he totally looks like him. Let's see what it says here. Uh Ebo Phillips, American actor comedian, writer, producer.
1: Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's funny because I remember. Oh, yeah, man, and then, then the actual show was. Uh, yeah, and he he played the on, right. Mm hmm. Uh, Royal theater. Royal theater. Okay, so it's probably a similar size venue. Uh. Yeah, the show itself, uh, it was none of his covers. Okay. It was all ori- all original music, so you got stuff like "I'll Sue You." Uh. uh here's your horoscope for today. So. A lot. It was good music, right? Right. Did he do White and Nerdy? No, that's a cover of Riding Dirty.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that would be weird. That would be odd. I, cause I'm, what I really know of Weird Al is like the more parody yeah, stuff. Yeah, he did. So actually, I think when I saw him back 2007, I think he did I'll Sue You.
1: Yeah, yeah, because that he was doing a uh, Straight Outta Linwood, and I'll Sue You is great because it's it is a parody song. But it's not a particular song. No, it's just a band. Yeah, he's just, it's, for people who don't know Weird Al, it's just parody of a, it's just a Rage Against the Machine song.
0: Yeah. And, and he
1: fucking nails it.
0: He really does. Like, even the even the people in, even the guys in the band so good. Even with the, some of the noises that Tom Morello does on guitar is fantastic. Now, I find it really interesting that Weird Al didn't do any of his parody stuff, be, given that that's what he's
1: mostly known for. Well, it's every so often, he'll do the ill-advised, self-indulgent, not as popular original songs tour, or wherever it's called. And like, that's the whole shtick. And uh, he opened it with, are you guys listening to some songs that nobody really cares about? <laughs> there was a bunch of good stuff in there too. Like he played the opening for his first movie, UTF. Uh, sorry, UHF. Uh, he played uh, Nature Trail to Hell which is the lead-off song for In 3D. And, of course, he played uh, my favorite Weird Al song, Albuquerque. As soon as he dropped the chord, like, a bunch of us in the crowd were looking at each other because we were really surprised that he would play Albuquerque in 2022. So, do you know the song at all? I don't know. So, the song Albuquerque is this... It's an 11-minute shaggy dog story. Okay. So, like, it just kind of rambles from point to point. But at one point... And I'm gonna, it's gonna be a lot harder to describe this without using the word itself. This is this is mention, not use. He has a fight with a quote unquote big fat hermaphrodite with a flock of seagulls haircut and only one nostril. And in the middle of the song, he then stops the song and says, Like, yeah, when I wrote this, I didn't read I thought it was the medical term. I didn't realize it was a slur. What I meant to say was. It was a guy who appeared to have both male and female genitalia and continued the song. And people were like, okay, that's how he's going to do it. Because, yeah, hermaphrodite can be used as a slur for intersex people who happen to have both sets of genitalia.
0: Right. Yeah, well, I know, even like with some of his parody stuff, like, I mean, I can understand if he can't play his parody of Locked in the Closet by R. Kelly, given all the stuff that's happening with him recently. But I don't know, man. I I don't know if I would have gotten as much out of that. Like, if I was to see Weird Al today and he didn't play any of his parodies, like, he didn't play Amish Paradise, he didn't play White Nerdy, he didn't play any of the stuff that he's mostly known for and just played original stuff, I think it would be a much different experience to see it. It'd be like, oh, okay. It's kind of like people that go see Pearl Jam. And I will be the first to admit, I'm not a diehard Pearl Jam fan, I don't care for a lot of their discography. But when people go see Pearl Jam, it's kind of like Springsteen. Springsteen will go, and he may play Born in the USA. He may play some of his big hits, but it's not guaranteed. Pearl Jam's the exact same way. Pearl Jam probably won't maybe play Even Flow, Alive, Jeremy, any of the big stuff, Daughter. So it's very much a hodgepodge of what you'll see. And And I get it, right, when you have a discography that large. I can understand that. But no, I think it it's kind of shitty that you didn't get to see Weird Al doing a lot of his parodies because
1: No, but this was the point of the tour because I I really like Weird Al's back album, back catalog. Because his back catalog's fucking hilarious. Like uh, This is your homework for today. Go and listen to uh here's your horoscope for today. And it's just Weird Al making up just dumb shit horoscopes and they're great yeah so it's like the back catalog is fantastic and as soon as like oh it's not his parodies I'm like signed up so like yeah I like the back catalog so that's why I went to the show that's fair
0: that is fair I mean do you think that if you didn't know a lot of his back catalog that you would have gotten much out of the show
1: I think I would have because like his back catalog is really good and Mm -hmm. he's a very talented singer and you could you can actually understand the jokes as they're coming because there was a few that even I hadn't heard and I was laughing along with them. It was actually a really interesting uh, concert too, because uh, he played pretty much the whole show sitting down.
0: Hmm.
1: and It was still like a very lively show. Yeah, basically. Like he's just sitting in this uh, art house, like art theater. Well, it's more like, it's, it's like the Royal Jubilee, right? And he's just sitting there with this band that he's been playing with for uh, between four, 30 to 50 years. Just chilling and playing a set. Yeah.
0: No, I was going to say man, if you ever get a chance to see weird Al doing all of his parody stuff, highly recommend, it, even though I saw it 15 years ago, but yeah, after every parody, he's changing costumes. Like you go from like Amish to, I think he did. Yeah. what you do Amish white and nerdy. Definitely like the Michael Jackson stuff. It would be very interesting to see, but we'll see that for another day. So Tim, I understand that the city of Calgary is in much excitement right now, not only because of the Calgary Stampede going on, but also for today's episode, because today's episode, (laughs) we're going to be looking at the Ottawa Senators 2022 draft class. And let me tell you, man, this is going to be an episode that's going to be very exciting because... This may be the last episode that we do before I go on vacation.
1: Oh, we'll have to make it a good one then.
0: Absolutely. And we're not short on stuff to talk about. So let's jump right into this, Tim. Now, over the last couple of years, you know how we did. We did from first round to seventh round. Now, before we get into the picks themselves, let's talk about the actual draft class in general. Because what I'm seeing here is the Senators are definitely refilling the coverings. Because yeah. they noticed that a lot of their prospects, especially in on the def- on the back end, they're all going to be making the team. They're pretty thin, so I understand where and why they went that route.
1: Yeah, well, just so many of them graduated. Because uh, look at the guys who made massive steps last last year. Because like Brandstrom's probably is a full time NHLer at this point. Ba- Batherson over the last yeah over 2021 is now a full-time NHLer. same with uh Pinto's probably a full-time NHL or Ridley Greg probably won't Ridley Greg probably won't see much AHL time to be honest one of Berger or Docker Alassie or Thompson is probably gonna play full-time NHL moments next year
0: unless they go for a big name top four defenseman
1: yeah so it's like you can really see that the Ottawa Senators have just promoted a bunch of their prospects so the cup, the cupboard is bare because the cupboard succeeded.
0: Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that I noticed, especially in the fourth round, when they picked up a uh, Steven holiday from Dubois finding saints is that they definitely noticed that Mark Kasalek is going to be maybe a tweener next year. But I think there's a few guys like Sokolos a tweener, Greg, I think more people are pushing for him to be in the NHL next year, but he could be a tweener. Kasalek, like I said, like there's so many people, even up front, who are going to be some tweeners, but yeah, we'll definitely talk about the picks as we get into this. Now we got to talk before we get into the picks, Tim, we got to talk about the trade.
1: Holy shit. Yeah.
0: The Matt Murray to the Buffalo Sabres trade that got next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's funny is we're going to talk about this trade and then We're going to put it in context. And this context takes it from like what the absolute fuck to holy shit.
0: Oh, 100%. And I mean, for me, I I understand like the senators are trying to um, unload Matt Murray because that's a big cap hit going forward. And I believe he's only got what, two years left on his deal? If I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah, I think he's got about two years. And I know that if there's a team right now that's Maybe looking for a starter. Buffalo is definitely a market. There's a few other markets, obviously. Edmonton, Toronto, still looking like they're going to be needing a starter going forward. I don't know if they're going to go after Murray or not. But you definitely see a lot of these markets that need goaltending. But the thing is, is that for that cap hit, I'm surprised a team would take a chance
1: on him, given that he's just not been healthy. I mean, that's kind of the weird thing, is that the goalie market is very thin
0: especially with Marc-Andre Fleury re-signing in Minnesota
1: yeah and I'm not even sure if Marc-Andre Fleury still has it in him right that just goes to show you how thin this market is
0: yeah but I mean in in fairness I mean top tier goaltenders generally don't hit the market unless you unless a team has completely given up on you
1: that's true like yeah like the only real good goaltender on the market right now is uh Kemper sorry on the free agent market is Kemper and even Kemper could be suspect
0: yeah and I think and I know people on Twitter because the Ottawa Senators are now rumored to go after Darcy Kemper but I think a lot of people are talking about it's more of a is Darcy Kemper this good or was it because he's being played or because he's playing on such a powerhouse team in colorado
1: yeah that's the thing is but it's like darcy kemper has been quite successful outside of colorado like he had a surprisingly good season back down in in minnesota god i'm watching my darcy kemper fan fiction here
0: didn't he play in arizona too he played
1: arizona too yeah and oh yeah he dragged arizona kicking and screaming to a to an almost playoff appearance.
0: I was trying to think, was it him, or was that um, the backup with the Rangers? But not Kemper. Um, oh, for fuck's sakes, I think he's anti-Ranta, that's what I'm thinking of.
1: It, they were the tandem, but I think Ranta was injured. Because 2019-2020, yeah, he was, Kemper was in the desert from uh, 2019 to the 2021 season.
0: Yeah. Now I know we're getting off a little bit, like get, kind of getting off track here, Tim, but let's talk about the Matt Murray next trade to Buffalo. And, you know, again, it, it, it always goes back to the Evgeny Dadunov thing where the Golden Knights traded him to Anaheim later turned out that he, Anaheim was not on the trade list and the Vegas Golden Knights trying to blame the Ottawa. This is kind of the, it almost kind of feels this way too. It feels like they, they tried to make the trade and they didn't check with Matt Murray first to say, okay, who's not on your trade list.
1: But then again, from what players say, this is actually a common occurrence. What's uncommon about the this occurrence is that it got leaked.
0: Yeah. And I think if I'm not mistaken, and I know one of our listeners could probably correct me here. I think that even on the Wally and the Thought Show, Bobby Ryan talked about it too, because they talked about the dad and he's like, yeah, it's, pretty common to make a trade and be like oh yeah we can't do this because i don't want to go there
1: yeah yeah so uh yeah i don't think it's like the ottawa senators were negligent here it's just they it was a fluid situation buffalo probably just called him up it was like hey do you want to make a deal and they're like sure they worked something out went to matt murray matt murray's like no dog and then what's weird is that someone got a hold of it
0: well, I think what's even worse if the trade had gone through that seventh pick would have gone with them,
1: but the seventh pick would have gone. We would have got the 16th back. What's incredible is that, and here's the thing is on its own, this, this trade looks like, sorry, it looks absolutely stupid. It just looks like Ottawa pinching pennies. If we talk about the next trade, it'll put this trade in context. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it actually looks like a pretty good trade.
0: Yeah, and you know what, though? I always think that there's always good that comes out of a negative situation, and this trade, this was the positive, because if the Ottawa Senators had made that trade to send the seventh pick to Buffalo, this trade would have not gone
1: through. No, this trade... No, no. This trade would have gone through. Really? Yes. Oh, my... Uh, Ian Mendez did reporting afterwards, and uh, basically... GM Davidson and GM Dorian had negotiated multiple trades that would have worked. One of them would have included had Ottawa traded down the pick.
0: Oh fuck. You know what? Actually, now that you, th- now that you say that I do actually remember reading that. Fuck.
1: Yeah. So stupid. Guess. That that's what makes the Murray trade actually look pretty decent in retrospect.
0: Yeah. God, I'm so galaxy brain
1: today, Tim. It to happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the trade, Tim. The Ottawa Senators trade the seventh overall pick, a 2022 second, which was 39th overall, and a 2024 third-round pick to the Chicago Blackhawks for Alex DeBrincat. DeBrincat scored 41 goals, 37 assists for 78 points, in 82 games for Chicago
1: last season. Did you know there's only been eight, sorry, there's only been, I think, five players who've scored more goals in the last two years than Alex DeBrincat.
0: When I read that trade, my first thought was like, I thought, okay, ha, that's not funny guys. Cause I did not think it was real because the last four years we've been conditioned to think big name players don't want to come here. Cause the last big name that came here was Matthew Shane and the team completely fell apart. Not because of Matthew Shane. It just happened what happened. But I was thinking about this. I was like, because obviously, I know who Alex DeBrinkett is. I know how great of a player this guy is. I am absolutely still riding high on the fact he's an Ottawa senator now. Because I mean, when was the last time we traded for a 40-goal score? And I was thinking about this. I mean, when was the last time? The last time I can think off the top of my head? Bobby Ryan? I was going to say Danny Heatley Because I don't think Bobby scored 40.
1: I thought he scored 40 in Anaheim.
0: I don't think so.
1: Or was he? Or did he plateau at thirty-five?
0: I think he plateaued at thirty-five. So I'm going to quickly look that up because honestly,
1: I just got it right here. Uh, yeah. Bobby Ryan's peak goal scoring is yeah, he plateaued at thirty-five. But the plan was he's he would have been a, they were hoping for a forty goal scorer.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, God, I, let me tell you, man, the last couple of weeks being a sense fan slaps. Oh, oh it's yeah. so good between. You know, between Elfie going in the hall, we getting a new arena, and now we land a superstar for Stutzla.
1: Yeah, that's going to that's gonna slap. Because imagine if Claude Giroux is still on the table. Yep.
0: Yeah. And what if the Senators decide, hey, you know what would also be great? John Klingberg.
1: Or Mackenzie Weger. A- yep. Yeah. Like, yeah, the the roster is really coming together.
0: Yeah, and I know even the NHL's Twitter account put out a tweet, I think yesterday or today, and it basically says, are the Ottawa Senators now a playoff team?
1: They're, They're getting close.
0: And you know what, though? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility the Senators are a playoff team this year, especially in the Atlantic, because you've got the Bruins imploding, And Tampa Bay is coming off of three straight final appearances. So they are going to be completely gassed next year.
1: And if Toronto doesn't actually solve their goaltending problem in an adequate fashion, yeah. Because even right now, I'm going to read off Ottawa's top six. Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Yep. Alex Debrinkat, Tim Stutzla, Connor Brown.
0: Sorry, Tim, don't you mean,
1: (laughs) Tim, of course, of course. And the only thing that looks a little weak, there's Connor Brown.
0: Yeah. Who looks like will be traded.
1: And at this point, if they trade Connor Brown and bring it, say they sign Claude Giroux, Connor Brown does become a little expendable. Because even then, like the bottom six is lined up with Formanton, Pinto, Joseph, Parker Kelly, Dylan Gambrell, Austin Watson, or put Kastelik in there if you want. That's looking pretty good.
0: Yeah. And even on the back end right now, where you got Shabbat, Brandstrom, Jake Sanderson, Artem
1: Zoom.
0: And let's see, Nick Holden, Hamanick. Hamanick. So.
1: And, and Zeitzab's gone.
0: Yeah, Zeitzab's gone. But if they go after. Say a Klingberg, or they go after a Weberg, who's now expendable in the back end.
1: Hopefully, Hamannik, or Holden becomes the seventh defenseman, because like I think at thirty-five, there were definitely nights at the end of the season there where Nick Holden was just out of gas.
0: Yeah, and understandably, right, because the guy's thirty-five years old. The
1: guys, thirty-five. Yeah, so it's like I think Nick Holden is the seventh defenseman is perfect.
0: Yeah, and I think he's under contract for another year or two anyway. Yep,
1: we extended him one year, yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah, this team it's looking pretty good. The only thing we can't do, we cannot have another season the way that we started the last two.
1: Well, the big question then becomes is Anton Forsberg and Philip Gustavsson a good enough tandem? I honestly think that Gustafsson has been good enough. Sorry, I mean, uh, Forsberg has been good enough to at least give him a chance at the starters net.
0: Yeah. He's essentially been probably ab to B2C version of Craig Anderson. Good, not great, not a wheel, not a weeper, not a world beater, just consistent and solid.
1: Well, that's the thing is like, over the 2021 2020 2021 season and the 2020 2022 season he has played very well in ten basically in about 50 games last year he had an above average uh, goal saved above expectation like ottawa probably would have had about 10% more goals scored on them so it's like I think we give him, we give him a chance at the wheel,
0: hundred percent. And you know, worst comes to worst, try to make a trade to bring somebody in.
1: Yeah. Or, but then again, this all becomes moot if they just sign Darcy Camper. But then you have to wonder what the do they keep Forsberg or do they just and trade out Gustason or do they actually just keep three goalies?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing because honestly it's going to be really, really tough. And I know people on Twitter have talked about the Kemper thing and it's like, okay, so you unload Matt Murray, you go after Darcy Kemper. So basically, isn't that kind of the same thing? You went from having a Matt Murray to now having a Darcy Kemper on your roster.
1: Yeah. Although it's like, that is the thing with Darcy Kemper is over the last five seasons, he has consistently been an excellent goaltender. So it's like, he does, he can be suspect. But it's like, I do trust him. Like, I, like the more I watched Darcy Kemper, the more I'm like, oh, he could be pretty good.
0: The thing is, is that it's going to depend but, on what kind of a jacket yeah. does he get?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it would be the most sense thing ever to just bring him in on. <laughs> if he was willing to accept like a one year expensive contract, like the give me $9 million for a year instead of several years of five or 6 million.
0: Yeah. But at that point, you know, and I know I think even I was kind of joking around with us on Twitter, somebody on Twitter that, who wasn't myself mentioned, imagine if Matt Murray went to Buffalo and Craig Anderson came back. <laughs> Cause Craig Anderson's playing next year. Yep. The guy's forty-two or forty. I think he's forty-two now. Yeah. So it'd be good. But honestly, Alex it. I mean, this is going to be super exciting to have this kid on the roster. And uh, the fact is that he's going to be wearing number twelve. And the Shane Pinto surrendered the number. And I know everybody on Twitter was mass, n- not mass DMing, but they were mass adding. Uh, at suck my pintos she's like <laughs> it's a real twitter account it's this uh it's a girl not a wash. a huge shane pinto fan She's met him like several times at the rank and stuff massive shane pinto fan even if she's just like okay can everybody stop mass mas-
1: messaging me i saw it i get it and we're like <laughs> and we're all just like no well the other thing is is People are thinking that if Zaitsev has gone, Pinto will just take the number he wore in college. So, Tim, let's jump
0: into talking about the Senators' 2022 draft class. Starting off in the third round, 64th overall, the Ottawa Senators select Philip Norberg, a defenseman from Soder Talja SK in the hockey al scan. Now, funny note, I actually looked this kid up. He's exactly 12 years younger than me.
1: How's that feel that there's kids who are entering into the NHL who were born after 9-11? I ask this every time, too.
0: Well, I mean, I get it. But the fact is that we're having kids that are entering the NHL who were born around the same time that we actually met.
1: Yeah, crazy, eh?
0: Yeah. Honestly, from what it, the Discovery Reports were saying, like he looks like he's got pretty high potential as a strong 2 way defenseman, mobile for his size, great vision because he's a pretty big body at 6'4", 207. He seems like a guy who's going to be a legit prospect coming up. Like I said, giving all all of our young defensemen are now making the big club or graduating to that,
1: making that level, give him maybe a couple of years. Maybe he could be joining them. The knock that I've heard against him is his skating because he's a big guy, not as mobile.
0: Yeah, and And that could be a problem. A lot of big guys are not great skaters.
1: That could be a problem in the modern NHL, though.
0: Yeah. Right? But you know what? If you spend a couple of summers working on your skating, as well as everything else, you never know, right? It could round up for them.
1: Oh, we hope.
0: So, funny thing is, Tim, is that, you know, I was looking at some of these draft picks, and it's just like, I... It's kind of, this is what's funny over the last few years that we've done these draft class episodes. Is that like you get to a certain point where you're like, he's a guy that got drafted. Yeah. Can you really say?
1: Not much. Uh. Yeah, and like even Corey Pronman's report on The Athletic is they only really have background on a few of the guys that went in the top 100, right? Or they expected to go in the top 100.
0: Yeah. And I think like Bob McKenzie is one of the few guys that does very high. So
1: although uh, the guy we picked at 87, Thomas Hamara, uh, Parnerman does have him listed as someone who is projected to play NHL games. He skates well, he, he skates well, has decent hockey sense, has a very good shot, but he's not a great puck handler. And uh, that's interesting. I think so.
0: Now let's move on to now of course we have three kids that were selected in the third round, 72nd overall, the auto center selected. Oscar Patterson, a right winger from Rogel Junior 20 in the Junior 20 National in Finland. Now, once again it's hard to say what his ceiling is, but from what I've been seeing, it looks like he's able to score 25 goals in 46 games for Roja BK not seeing a legit NHL right away, but a couple of years marrying in Sweden could really do him some good.
1: Could. Although this seems like one that he might, he might get tendered an offer or his rights might lapse.
0: Yeah. And and that always happens with some of the kids that we've selected in, in the Scandinavian countries is that a lot of them don't ever come over.
1: Yep. Well, that's pretty true of uh, like once you start getting into the later rounds, it's a coin flip. If you even sign the guys, right.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: Even if they are playing in like the CHL or the USHDL.
0: Mm-hmm. Now with the 87th pick, the Ottawa Senators select Thomas Harmara, a defenseman from Tamara in Liga in Finland. Now, of course, you already gave your scatter report on it. And from what I was reading, it indicates that he's a strong skater with great puck moving abilities. The only knock I was reading is that his defense does need work though. And, Again, you're going to see a trend here, as I mentioned off the top, is that the Senators are really going for need as their left left defense is looking a lot weaker, especially with Jake Sanderson making the big club next year. So, you know, can't really fault the Senators for doing this, right?
1: Just to mote Michael Dell's auto again.
0: Yeah, but as Uncle Dell, you really want to come back. True. Moving on into the fourth round, the Ottawa Senators select with the 104th pick. Stephen Halliday, a centerman from Dubai, Fighting Saints of the United States Hockey League. Now, it's interesting, Tim, because what I was reading on him is that this is the third draft he's been eligible. And he dominated the United States Hockey League last year, 95 points in 62 games. It really made a case for him to be drafted because he was passed over in 2020 and 2021. And it just seems like the Senators drafted another Mark Kaselek, big body, who's a battler in front, could cement himself as a legit angel prospect if he continues to improve. And he is committing to the Ohio state Buckeyes for next year.
1: That's another weird thing about this draft. I don't think we, I don't think we uh, drafted a single fighting Hawk. No North Dakota here.
0: Yeah. That's because we've already slugged all of them, Tim. Okay. Yeah. I'm
1: not, I'm not comfortable with this Tay.
0: I know. Well, in fairness, I thought the Sens were going to try and go after Brock Besser solely because he went to know Dame. <laughs> but, you know, the Canucks up signed him up and everything. I do want to make one comment on the draft, though, Tim. What do you think of the banker Canucks now having two Elias Pettersons on their team?
1: It's incredible. And uh, one of my buddies who's a Canucks fan was texting me and said, yeah, if they don't have them like cross paths somehow on a Twitter video, that's just a PR fail at this point. Yeah,
0: this almost seems like oh, I, I know you haven't watched the show Shorey on Crave, but there's one scene in in Shorey where the hockey team is trying to recruit these three these three natives to come play for their team, being tough guys. Yeah, and they're and they're all they're all named Jim, <laughs> and so Shorey's like, "All right, well now that you're on the team, you all need nicknames." And they're like, "But our name's Jim. Yeah, I, I know your name is Jim, but you could be Jim, Jimbo, and Jim Bob." Well, her name is Jim. So all three of the guys are just named Jim. Oh no! And that's what Elias Pettersson, two Elias Pettersons on the Canucks, reminds me of.
1: I hope he makes the NHL.
0: That would be amazing. The meme, the hockey meme world, would be complete.
1: And uh, poor Mika would be pulling his hair out.
0: Yeah. I know. Can you imagine Bruce Bridger in the locker room? He goes, Les Pedersen,
1: you're ready. Yep, good, because you're going. Elias Pedersen, you also ready? Yep, good, because you're going. I hope they call one Elias the Elder and Elias the Younger.
0: Or Elias one, Elias two.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: I know, and I love the fact that even in his... When he got drafted, not drafted, when he got interviewed after he got drafted and somebody asked him who his favorite player was he actually said Elias Patterson,
1: that's Patterson. oh that's great
0: uh good stuff good stuff now moving on to the fifth round Tim the Ottawa Center Select with 136th pick how do you how do you I'm trying to see how uh Jorian Jorian Donovan how do you even uh, say that? J-O-R-I-A-N how do you even say that name Jorian Jorian. Okay, Jorian Donovan, a defenseman from the Hamilton Bulldogs of the Ontario Hockey League. Now, of course, I got a note that he's the son of former Ottawa Senators player, now development coach, Shane
1: Donovan. Oh, nice. That's all I really got. Yeah, apparently he played up and down minutes on a good Hamilton team, and he's someone who might play some NHL games. So at the fourth round, you can't ask for much more. That
0: yeah, was the fifth round.
1: Oh, fifth round. Yeah, you really can't ask for much more.
0: No, 100%. Now, sticking in the fifth round, Tim, with the 143rd pick, the Ottawa Senators select Cameron O'Neill, a right winger from Mount St. Charles Academy of the United, of, in the United States High School. You want to see a guy who just dominated high school hockey last year. This guy. In 62 games. 57 goals, 76 assists for 133 points. Damn. And there's no information on this guy online. The only thing I can find is that he is committed to the University of Massachusetts for next year.
1: Okay. So that is a good... UMass has a good program, if I remember correctly.
0: Probably. And it's funny because when talking about the colleges in Massachusetts, the big ones that come to mind is Boston college in Boston university and Harvard and Harvard. Yeah. But I'm talking like for hockey,
1: Harvard routinely produces Hobie Baker winners.
0: Yeah. But how many of those guys are in the NHL though?
1: I'll have to go look, but no Harvard has a good program.
0: I think the most notable athlete that Harvard has produced in the last 20 years that I can think of is Ryan Fitzpatrick.
1: That's a name you don't hear often.
0: And he just retired too. <laughs> the guy played for like 19 in the NFL. <laughs> so, but yeah, like I said, I mean, there's not really much information on this guy that I can find online. So we're going to move along to the 151st pick. The Ottawa Center select Kevin Riedler, a goaltender from AIK Junior 20. Continuing the team's transit tradition of having massive goaltenders. 6'6", 201.
1: Yeah, he's big and he is a goaltender.
0: Yeah, not sure if he'll ever see time in the NHL, but there's no issue in taking a goalie.
1: Yeah, no, you definitely take them late. Uh, Oh, Jimmy VC was from Harvard.
0: Oh, was VC from Harvard? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it goes to show how little I actually follow the NCAA because it's like, oh yeah, there's no hockey players that come from there. He's like... Uh, Jimmy VC comes from there, dude. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Moving on to the sixth round. With 168th pick, the Ottawa Senators select Theo Wahlberg, a defenseman from the Dubuel Fighting Saints of the USHL. Now, of course, this kid must have been scouted when they saw Stephen Halliday. He's another two-way
1: left-shot defenseman. Is he big?
0: Uh, No, he's like six feet.
1: Oh, yeah. Very not big.
0: But with the Ottawa Senators' final draft pick, Tim, I just got to say, we've got a guy we got to talk about. I hear this guy's a dick.
1: Tyson Dick.
0: With the 206th pick, the Ottawa Senators select Tyson Dick, a centerman from the Cranbrook Bucks of the British Columbia Hockey League. Not much to say. Had a great season at Cranbrook. 34 goals, 41 assists for 75 points in 54 games. Also committing to the University of Massachusetts for next year.
1: Nice. Um, Oh, if you want (laughs) to... Pierre Maguire fact of the day, UMass also produced Kale McCarr. Oh. But, uh, yeah, no. Well, it's like, I don't want to poo-poo the BCHL. We have friends who play in the BCHL and... uh, the AJHL, the Alberta equivalent has also recently produced some some actually pretty good players including uh
0: McCarr. McCarr,
1: Kale McCarr and uh, Jacob Burner Docker.
0: Oh, and also we can't forget Danny Healy.
1: Yeah. So it's like these are they junior A or trip I forget what the designation. Yeah. Uh
0: junior A. No, oh, junior A. Junior might be junior B.
1: But uh, they do produce good players.
0: Yeah, like Tyson Berry. Not Tyson Berry. Um, the Ben Boys came out of that. Uh, a couple of it, each other. Paul Korea played in that. Brad Hall played in that.
1: Yeah, so it's like it's not the worst league to draft out of, and uh, it's a uh, junior, junior A. Junior A. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but otherwise, not much to say about it. Uh, So what are your thoughts on Montreal taking Slapkowski instead of uh, Shane Wright? I like to think the reason why they didn't take Shane Wright
0: first is because he admitted that he knows how to play Wonderwall on guitar.
1: Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, It's interesting.
0: interesting. I mean, sorry, Tim, I was going to say, yeah, Yeah. taking, taking the kid first. It really goes to show that... It could have been a coin flip, right, of honesty, because I think everybody was hyping up Shane Wright to go first, and he didn't. They decided to go this other route. that took a winger. Maybe they have somebody else in the system coming up in center. I'm not too, too sure. I want to get your take, though. What do you think of Shane Wright dropping to fourth?
1: So the take that I've heard is that Shane Wright is a Mike Fisher type. In which way? That he You're never going to get burned with him on the ice. You're going to get solid production out of him, but he's not going to break a game. While Slavkowski, Cooley, and Slavkowski and Cooley, for sure, not so much Nemec, have the ability to break a game. And we saw Slavkowski do it at the Olympics. We saw him do it at World Juniors. And even even though his uh, regular season production apparently wasn't what you would expect out of uh, a high pick, he really picked it up as the season went. So like he just really snowballed. And that's basically what people were seeing. Like Logan Cooley again was another very, has the, has the ability to break a game while Shane Wright. Yeah. He's, he's not going to break you a game, but you're going to get perfect minutes out of him every game.
0: Yeah. But I like the fact that he, he is going to a franchise in Seattle, that he's going to flourish because oh, yeah. he has no competition at center.
1: Well, you have Marty Ber- and then you can hook him up with Marty Bernier.
0: Yeah. That'd be a sneaky one, two punch right there. But I think Montreal is really going with, cause you have Stierkowski, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield.
1: Hmm, That's going to be a good line. Well, the other thing is it's also, it really goes to show kind of how weak, this draft was and why I have n- absolutely no problem with uh, Dorian trading the pick this year.
0: Yeah. Well, especially when an Alex Debrinkit comes back.
1: A hundred percent. But it's just like the consensus number one for a long time was a Mike Fisher type player. Don't get me wrong. I like Mike Fisher. Me too. But you have to admit that is kind of, uh, you're not exactly aiming high, right?
0: No, I do. I do want to make one comment about Montreal, though, because they also in the same draft after they took the kid first overall, they made another trade a few picks later, <laughs> acquiring Kirby Dock in Chicago.
1: They made two tricks. The first is they traded uh, Romanov and I want to say Romanov. The trade is actually—I have to look this up. Yeah, because like
0: Romanov and the draft. trade
1: was yeah, fucking Alex. insane. Like, I actually can't believe that uh, Lou did it. It was that bad.
0: You know what, though? I think Alex Romanov—he seems like a guy. He seems like such a Lou Lamorello type of guy, just a hard-hitting defenseman. Which is, but he
1: like, can't I skate.
0: hated Romanoff in Ottawa or in Montreal because remember all the hits he used to throw at Stutzler coming up center.
1: Yeah, and. Like, the guy can't skate. He can't shoot. So, yeah, it's Romanov and a fourth for the 13th overall pick. Like, that's so bad.
0: I know. And then he he turns around and trades the pick to Chicago for Kirby Doc.
1: Yeah. Now, Kirby Doc, he hasn't exactly flourished in Chicago either. But But I... I see more okay. promise in Kirby Doc than Alexander Romanov.
0: Here's the thing, how much of that do you think is on the Blackhawks and how much of that is Kirby Doc? Because Kirby Doc, he had COVID injuries, you know, the this the whole situation with Kyle Beach in Chicago, so that's
1: really heavy on the team. It's interesting because like Kirby Doc is just even last year though, like he was very a very responsible defender, sorry, defensive forward but just the offense wasn't there. Uh, Good on Davidson for getting a first overall back, even if it's in a weaker draft. But at 21, Kirby Dock still has some growing to do. So this might end up working out for Montreal. I love the fact that they managed to just pull off that sort of trade and uh, get out of Romanov.
0: Yeah, because honestly, he's just a hard-hitting defenseman. That's all he was.
1: Yeah, like I don't even think he's that good defensively. Let's be real. Okay,
0: let me ask you. Kirby Doc's a center. Yeah. Do you think this trade would have happened if the Habs took Shane Wright first? Because, think of it, because remember they took Koski first. He's a winger.
1: They They might have targeted someone else.
0: You have Nick Suzuki, and now they got Kirby Doc as a number number two center. Right. right. You know,
1: maybe not. But But then it...
0: It it depends. I mean, how did they were they targeting somebody else or was Kirby Dock on the table the entire time?
1: Well, that's the thing is that given that they had no intention of trading the pick, and that they probably had targeted Slukowski for a while, I th- I think that this was going to happen. And the other thing is is like what's weird is that Montreal's forwards it's a weird bunch, eh? Like, you got Caulfield, Suzuki, Hoffman, Druin, Dvorak, Anderson, Dodonov, Doc, Gallagher, Byron, Evans, Armia. I think that it's a weird bunch. Yeah. And then the defense is a bit of a mess.
0: That's one way of putting it. But then in goal, they're no better because is Carey Price going to come back this year?
1: Can Jake yeah. Allen be a full-time goaltender?
0: Yeah. Are they going to finally bring Caden Primu into the system? Play him some games?
1: Yeah, it's uh, interesting questions, Tay.
0: Yeah. Honestly, this tree, this draft was just kind of interesting with some of the moves that are going to be happening. But with the free agency coming up, you well, look, look, some look some of look the... At, yeah. Big, well, you went from having a lot of big names. Like you had... You thought, okay, Chris Letang was going to hit the market? Nope. Nope. Philip Forsberg? Nope. Marc Andre Fleury?
1: Nope. And Gaudreau might just resign in Calgary.
0: Yeah. Do you think he's going to go though?
1: It seems most of the reporting on it seems optimistic. So uh, I I could see it happening.
0: But here's the thing, though, if they. Maje
1: and Kachak.
0: If they give Goudreau the money, what happens with Matthew to truck? Cause he's going to be getting paid big bucks.
1: Yeah. And it's t- because like the flames right now do have $26 million. You know what? They probably see if uh Milan Lucic is willing to waive his no move.
0: Kind of the way that Zach Cassian did going. To Arizona.
1: Yeah. Sorry. No, he hasn't modified NTC. Maybe he'll waive it to go to uh, Arizona it's tough because like that contract, it is only one more year. And then that's six, almost $6 million off the books. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that's gone. You have the money for Gaudreau and Kachuk. Okay.
0: Now moving away from Calgary and talking about Ottawa once again, because I know that there was some chatter about the Sens trading the seventh pick again to Arizona for Jacob Churin. Given that there was talks that were extended talks in this coming off season, do you think the Sens still go after him? That is a name
1: that's still on the table.
0: Yeah. If you're looking for a top four defenseman, do you think they go after him or do they go maybe they go
1: after somebody I for I think they go after Uyghur first. Because if I'm not mistaken, Chikrin is a left defenseman. Yes. Yeah, and Ottawa's got a lot of them.
0: Yes, you need a right shot defenseman.
1: Yeah, and I think, yeah, they definitely go after like Weger or Klinkberg first or someone like that. Uh, And I guess like, I really wonder if, like what's Florida going to do?
0: I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, right? You have what, one, two great years. Where do you go from here now? Because you're so slammed up against the... Salary cap.
1: Yeah, and they still have to sign two. They still have to sign two forwards, and it's like there's no obvious like. Could we dump a guy?
0: Yeah, and I mean the only thing I can think of because obviously going back to Claude Giroux, what if the Sens do a sign it, uh, sign and trade?
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing about Uyghur is it's, he has one more year at three three point two. So like if it doesn't work, oh well. So like that's, that's why I like Mackenzie Weegar as a target. Uh, I guess the other thing is just what's the rest of the Atlantic doing cuz like Toronto did manage to get out from under uh Morazic, Morazic, but they still and it sounds like Ilya Mkhachev is just gone. Mhm. But they have 10 million dollars to spend. So being It'll be interesting to see if they just throw money at Jack Campbell.
0: Yeah, that could be an option because he's been pretty good. Yeah. Like he has been their most consistent goaltender over the last several years. So,
1: yeah. I'm bit, I'm actually surprised Giordano signed two years, $800,000. Yeah. That's a steal of a contract.
0: You know, it's going to be, the lease are going to be very interesting because I'm just going to look up his contract right here. So you have two more years of Matthews. Yep. Is he gone at the end
1: of that deal? I doubt it. Unless like the rest of the Leafs just completely unravel. Well, more. Yeah, because I just really don't see what happens with... Yeah, I don't really see what the Leafs do. Although, like, it gets a lot easier now that Mrazic's not eating up $4 million.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Well, they probably... I wonder how much Rasmus Sandian's going to ask for, because they definitely signed him to nice money. But the other thing is, like, Jake Muzzin has been aging hard. Morgan Riley's contract probably starts looking bad in a year or two. And all of a sudden, just like, I just don't really see it. Unless they start doing the Tampa thing where they aggressively trade firsts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think in comparison, I think Ottawa is doing it perfectly because they don't really have anybody over 8.2 right now. Yeah. Now, Tim Stutzler is going to be an RFA this coming offseason could be a 10 million contract right there yeah and you know what i'm fine with it
1: yep uh the other thing that's gonna be weird i guess the other thing is like how many good players actually come to free agency over the next few years when the cap actually starts to rise
0: yeah well he's definitely gonna see it with them getting malkin hitting free agency this year
1: yeah who gets paid be, yeah
0: he's gonna be the big target so
1: Excuse But he's me. also 36.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what, though? He's going to get paid. There's going to be a team that's going to throw big money because how often does an of getting Malkin hit the market? It's kind of like when John Tavares hit the market. How many of those guys really hit
1: free agency? True, but also it's not 25-year-old Malkin or 30-year-old Malkin. Hell, it's not even 35-year-old Malkin. You're betting on a 36-year-old. Being worth the money.
0: Yeah, it might be more money than term, but.
1: Yeah, like that's a tough bet to make, right? The other interesting thing to watch is Detroit. Have you looked at their cap friendly and that they only have one, two, three, four, five players signed? Sorry, six players signed past 2022, 2023. I have not. No. Yeah, no, that's nuts. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually do.
0: Yeah. But you know what, though? I mean, Steve Eisenman is going to find out, find a way.
1: Yeah. Like this is a team that has a cap space to burn. They might be able to weaponize it, take on a short, like, honestly, they could take on the Milan Lucic contract for a year. If they get draft picks out of Calgary. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so like looking around the rest of the Atlantic, it's like this is a division in flux. Like the Red Wings are going to get older, sorry, a year older, a year stronger. Who actually knows what happens to? Like, is Buffalo actually on the rise here?
0: It's tough to say. They look 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 that way last year because with the Taysh Thompsons and all those guys coming up. I I don't have faith in Buffalo. I really, you know, it's not what I don't have a lot of faith. In Faith in Buffalo. I don't have faith in the Bagulas' right decisions because, especially if you see how they've done it with the Bills, where the first several years of their ownership, they were very hands-on with the Bills, and the team just sort of sputtered for more time. Yeah, they had a more hands-off approach. They let Sean McDermott and those guys build the Bills, and they
1: were what a win or two away. from the Super Bowl last year. Yep, and well, that's the other thing though. Is like Kevin Adams isn't doing a bad job for a guy who just came in as a, he was. He was like a marketing executive before.
0: Yeah, and I think that's always been Buffalo's problems is that they don't go after quality.
1: Hockey. But it, yeah, but at the same time, it's like Kevin Adams surprised.
0: I'm surprised. I thought he was going to flame out like with like how Phil Housley flamed out, like how Dan Palsma flamed out the retread of Ted Nolan flamed out. I mean, you look at all the flame outs that they've had over the years.
1: Because like, I'm legitimately impressed with what they were able to do with, uh, sorry, with the, uh, Eichel trade.
0: Yeah. But it really goes to show how different the mood is in, the, in a room where you don't have a guy that doesn't want to be there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like somehow Alex tuck Peyton Krebs an extra first and an extra second just looks really good. And maybe a, a year of healthy Eichel will look better, but man, Vegas looked like a mess last year. Like, you know what we, we shit on the Leafs for like being unable to manage a cap at least Toronto didn't play a game last year where they only dressed 19 skaters because of the salary cap. Yeah, but that's what
0: happens when you are so aggressive to get back to the finals. I think if Vegas did make the final that first year I don't know if they would have been as aggressive to they probably would have been aggressive to get to that level but when you're chasing that to get back yeah that's where you run into problems because you tend to think emotionally not not logically
1: well there's well the other thing though is I can't i'm not even sure if they're thinking emotionally because just look at the way they churn players eh like especially the way they like they like flurry a lot of the expansion guys like even just churning todanov in less than a season
0: yep. Thomas Tatar.
1: Thomas Tatar. Like, yeah, it's... They just grind grind through players. It's actually kind of insane.
0: Yeah, and it's been very sort of mixed on the results that they've seen so far. Because I think fans were kind of wanting Pacioretty out the door. Mark, Mark Stone, I don't want to say that because Stone was injured, but...
1: Well, I wonder if Stone still has a career after this. Yeah. Because that's my big worry is he played like 10 games last season, if that.
0: Yeah, I completely screwed your fantasy team. I know that.
1: Yeah. Like the fact that I was able to at least be somewhat in the running for half the season without the top guy, i one of my top picks is uh, really something. Yeah. Yeah, because he really didn't have a history of injury up until that point.
0: No, he he really didn't, but it goes to show how one really bad injury can just wreck things. Wreck a career. Yeah. So, Tim, I don't really have anything more to add on this episode if you want to head off to the close for another episode.
1: Yeah, let's go for it.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I... Love recording it for you. We're on the national podcast there. Oh, actually, sorry. One thing I totally forgot to mention, given that mentioned the national podcast network, Tony D'Angelo to Philadelphia.
1: Oh, that's funny. And they traded for the rights. Oh my God. And he's going to play with Risto even fucking better. Dude. And they have torts there. (sighs) It's like, we're not pros. We don't pretend to be pros you can smell the dysfunction from a mile away. Like there's no way that goes well.
0: Dude, you, if you were to read Dan's Twitter account, it's just like, you totally get it. Like all the podcasts on that, on the, on the network between, you know, angry show, Dan, all the Philly shows. You're just like, Ooh, okay. (sighs) Okay.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's really something.
0: Like, I get when you said aggressive retool. I don't know if Tony D'Angelo is really what you had in mind.
1: No. Because like, imagine if Ryan Ellis isn't healthy this year. And yeah, your right side is headlined with Risto and Tony D'Angelo. That's of, some rest shit. Peace, heart heart. Yeah, no kidding.
0: We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page at <laughs> nationalpodcast.network. You can find our <laughs> it on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. at Third line plays our Twitter handles. Tim is at m901honeybadger. I'm at Great White Gibster. G-R-8-W-A-T-E G-I-P-S-T-E. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the Ottawa Senators 2022 NHL draft class, shoot us an email. Plus plussenscast at gmail.com. I love the fact that you just started laughing just because I'm like, yeah, we're gone this far.
1: Yeah, I love how you just went right back to the to the poor Philly network. Like, stop, they're dead. Oh <sighs> my god. I know. So yeah, I
0: I'm not sure when you and I will be back.
1: Yeah, because
0: uh, next Saturday I'm going to Vancouver. I'll be flying out on Sunday. Ooh, fun
1: stuff! Fun stuff. Yeah, I'll probably. Oh, we might even have the first third line plug episode without the Tay What are you trying to. Uh, what are you trying we'll, to. We'll try to work something out. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, kid. Uh, Someone will keep your seat. You could come back be like, so how warms my seat? I would be like. It'd be like, was it on uh, the
0: Sheldon on the Big Bank Theory? He's just like. Who said in my spot? It, him?
1: No, it was just the. So the seats warm, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like,
1: who is screwing around with my chair? <laughs>
0: oh, Jesus. Until next time, guys. I
1: am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensey. Go Sens, guys. Woo!